So as we look at the next lesson and where we're at, we're going through those Old Testament stories still. And we've been talking about Moses last week. And we said it was the, the, uh, the birth of a deliverer, if we remember. And the struggles that he has, he walked as his early life happened. He was set to be killed. And his mom said, no, I'm not going to kill him. And they hid him for three months, stuck him in a, in a little boat to be found by the Pharaoh's daughter. And he grew up with all the wisdom and knowledge of the Egyptians. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And, and just like last week, we started off in, in reading the, out of Acts. And we'll go back to Acts chapter 7 again to start with. And pick up where we stopped there. In, um, so Acts chapter 7 verse 23 is where we're going to start at. And I like this because Stephen kind of does a good job of taking the whole passage that we're covering and condensing it down into a little little area so we can kind of get the overall view without reading the entire chapter. And then we kind of hit high points as we go through it, you know, the sermon part. Um, so starting in verse 23, it says, As he was approaching the age of 40, he decided to visit his brothers, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptian. He assumed his brothers would understand that God would give them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. The next day when he showed up and they were fighting, he tried to reconcile them peacefully, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why are you mistreating each other? But one who was mistreating his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who appointed you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me the same way you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this disclosure, Moses fled and became became an exile in the land of Midian, where he fathered two sons. After, after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, in the, in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he was approaching it to look at it, the voice of the Lord came, I am the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. So Moses began to tremble and did not, tremble and did not dare to look. And the Lord said to him, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have observed the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to rescue them. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses whom they rejected when they said, Who appointed you a ruler and a judge? This one God sent as a ruler and redeemer by means of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. And we're going to stop there with that, right? Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day that you gave us. Father, we thank you once again, Father. Just let us come together and hear about the stories that you've given us to, to understand who you are, Father, who, how you loved us so much, even back in the Old Testament, Father, before you sent Jesus. Father, it was a plan that you had set far ahead in the future, Father, knowing that we would still be sinners and that we would still not honor you in the ways that we should, Father, by our own means, Father. So you had to make a way that we just had to trust you and obey, Father. We praise you and we love you. In every name, amen. All right, so we so we picked off and picked it up, and he was a little bit older. And so here he is, a young man. I'm not sure it doesn't say how old he was at the time. But Moses goes out. And he goes out and he's just kind of walking around he's seeing his people. He would have known that he's an Israelite living in the Egyptian household. And so here he is, he's walking around there. He's, he's just kind of seeing what's going on. And what comes upon an Egyptian feeding an Israelite? And he sees a problem. It's like, wait, 
this isn't right. He's being oppressed. He's, he's not being treated fair. So he sees the oppression and he decides to act and be the judge in the situation. And so he chooses to, he looks around, actually, in, the, in Exodus 2 it says, he looks around and sees that nobody's looking, so he strikes the Egyptian. So he knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but he looked around and saw nobody was looking, so he struck the Egyptian down and killed him in his body. All right, so he saw oppression and he sought to, to be the giver of justice in that situation. Right? He thought the other people there would have his back, the, the Israelites would have his back on that and wouldn't say anything. And so the question we have to ask is, do we see oppression around us in the world we live in today? There's a lot of oppressed people not even, we may feel it ourselves sometimes, but there's other people. If we look outside of our window in our life, we see there are people that are oppressed by many different factors of life, right? And, and so we have to ask, do we seek justice in our own way for those people? Or do we seek out to, to make punishment for people that are being oppressed? Do we, do we go off and we fight the bullies, Right? That's not always the right answer, right? Just like Moses did. Moses saw there was a, a bully attack beating his, his people up, and so he said, I'm going to take care of it myself. He beat him and he killed him. Probably not the right answer in the moment, right? And, and Stephen says that he was seeking to be the deliverer for his people in that moment and to deliver his people from that oppression. And so it's kind of a foreshadowing of what, what God's going to want to do later. But as we look at oppression and people that are being oppressed, we got to know God has a plan and we may not want to just rush in like Moses did to seek justice on our own terms. See, Moses didn't stop her and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? He just acted and sought justice the way he felt it to be. And then as we go a little bit farther, the next day, Moses comes back out there. He's out walking around. And he sees two Israelites fighting each other in a, in a quarrel. Moses is like, guys, stop. You're brothers. Why are you fighting? And, the brother, and one of them looks at him and goes, what are you going to do? Kill us like you did the Egyptian yesterday? You don't have the moral high ground here to tell us to stop arguing with each other. You're a murderer. You're telling us to stop bickering. You killed a man yesterday and hit him. What right do you have to tell us to stop arguing? You're not even a part of us. Go back to your castle. Go back where you belong. You're not, you, they're probably thinking, you're no better than the Egyptian was that was beating us yesterday. See, Moses thought that his sin was kind of hidden off, right? He thought that Nobody was going to say anything. He thought it was okay. But it turns out people were watching. The sin was revealed to the light of the world. And somehow, word got back to Pharaoh. All right, so let's pick that up in, uh, let's see, in verse 15, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 of Exodus. And it said, when Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. 
when Pharaoh heard of what the Egyptian being killed, I wonder who told Pharaoh about what happened and who did it. The one, the one people around other than the Israelites. So my guess would be those Israelites that saw it happen, they sent message back to Pharaoh that Moses had killed an Egyptian. Probably for favor for themselves, right? There's always going to be that one guy that takes a situation and thinks, I can get him in trouble and I can make myself look good. So I'm going to guess there's probably an Israelite that said, I'm going to gain, gain a little favor here. I'm going to get a little extra for myself. And I'm going to turn Moses in for killing that Israelite, or that Egyptian. So however it got back to the Pharaoh, Pharaoh was not happy. Here Moses is living in his house, being trained by the best teachers, eating the best food, not being a slave. And Moses goes out and kills one of the workers that's an Egyptian. So Pharaoh tries to kill him. Moses escapes, and he runs to Midian. And so there, Midian is where he, he met Jethro, who had a large sheep operation, taking care of him. Uh, he met his wife, he, he married his wife Zipporah there, had a couple of kids. He was taken and cared for during that time period. So it doesn't really give a whole lot of information on what was happening there, other than God said, Moses, just stay here, stay put, start a family, and start learning things, right? So he went from Pharaoh's house to now being a shepherd. A little bit of a difference in lifestyle, I would say, right? Uh, so really what really happened here is God allowed a refuge for Moses. Egypt wasn't safe for him anymore. He, would, he was going to be killed if he went back to Egypt during this time period because the Pharaoh had it in for him. But God had a plan there for Moses, and I think many of us are just like Moses, and we're kind of sitting and waiting somewhere, like Moses was in Midian, just sitting and waiting for God's timing, his planning to be revealed to us, to show us step by step where that next thing is, what we're supposed to be doing. And so I really want to pick up in this, in starting in chapter 3, and we, we see Moses is being called. And I totally forgot to use that again. So we saw Moses sought, uh, saw oppression and sought justice. Moses called, was called out by the Hebrews and Moses fled, right? Those are kind of the main three things we picked up on there at the end of chapter two. And so next thing we'll look at is Moses is being called. So the change in Moses' life here. So starting in um, chapter three, verse Verse 1. said, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't this bush burning up? All right. So while working out in the field, God appeared to Moses at, in, a, in a bush in the flame. And so God really, really wanted to get Moses' attention at this point, right? And he had to do something spectacular to get his attention. But think about it. He had to be paying attention 
to what was going on in the world around him, right? Moses couldn't just be focused solely on the sheep and solely on one thing in his life. He had to be looking around to what the world was like around him. Otherwise, he would have missed the burning bush. Right? He had to see there was something different over there. And when he saw something different, he said, I gotta go see what that is because that looks different. What is that? And so we have to ask, are we looking around our world and paying attention to the things in our life and saying, there's something different there that I have to go check out? Or are we just kind of staying in there doing the same thing over and over again and not really looking outside of what, what our daily life normally is? Are we paying attention to the people around us, to their reactions, their interactions? Can we tell when somebody's hurting just by looking? Can we tell that somebody's super happy just by watching? Can we see a change in their lives by watching how the people in our lives react to things? Right? If we're not paying attention to those things, we miss opportunities for God to speak to us or for God to speak through us to those people. All right? don't, remember, don't, don't forget that part. God can speak to us through people, but he can also speak through us. And it should be a continual circle of things going in and out of us that he gives us. We were talking in Sunday school this morning with the kids that corporate worship is a time for us to gather together to consider each other and look at each other and see where we are following God and where we're not following God and to lead each other in a loving, kindness way to do good works for God, Right? So everybody says that we're not supposed to judge one another, which is right. We're supposed to consider one another and say where we're lacking in what God has planned for us. Right? So it's a, it is judging, but it's out of love. Right? We're supposed to come together and we're supposed to look at each other and say, this is where we need, you need help. But if we don't pay attention to each other, can we know where people are lacking and where their strengths are? if we don't know each other as a corporate body. So we have to look around and see what all is going around us and know that there are things outside of us that we have to know the difference of. So let's move forward. We look in, um, starting in verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here am I, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abram, Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then, Moses, then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. And I know that they're suffering. I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land that was good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jezebites. The Israelites' cry for help to me has, has come to me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go, I am sending you to the Pharaoh, that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God had a specific plan when he called Moses over. He said, I want you to go. I've heard the cries of my people. I want you to go and lead them out. That's a big task for Moses, right? Like, okay. But he said, come here, Moses. 
This is a holy place. I want you to listen to what I have to say. So we have to ask ourselves, do, what are we called to do? Moses had a clear calling there, right? What are we called to do? Does God have a calling in your life to go and be a deliverer for somebody else? Does he have a challenge for you to do something big that his, he has a plan? So then we have to ask if he does if you don't have a specific call in your life, are you looking for it? Are you looking for the specific call in your life? Because it doesn't really matter young or old, he has a plan. Because when his plans are done for you on earth, he's gonna take you to heaven. For us that are believers, right? When his plans are done with us, he has no use for us here. He's going to call us home. There's no reason for us to say if he has no more plans for us. So if you're here on earth as a, as a follower of Christ, he has a specific plan for your life that only you can accomplish. Are you seeking it out? And then, are we willing and prepared to obey for what he has planned when we do listen? Right? It's, it's one thing to listen. It's another thing to be obedient to that plan. Sometimes we're just sitting there waiting, kind of like Moses was in Midian for a little while there. It took a little while before God said, here's my plan. But he was had him preparing in other ways, learning how to do different things, humbling him a little bit, I would assume, being a, going from the palace down to the being a shepherd. But God was preparing him, but then in a moment's notice, God said, all right, here's my plan. It's time to go. I've heard the cries of my people. They need to hear the message. Now Moses had a large group of people that needed to be delivered. Maybe in your life, maybe it's that neighbor, that family member, that friend that needs delivered from the slavery of sin. Maybe it's that, that dear friend that you've been you've known for years and you know they've struggled in life. Maybe they're just going through a tough time and they need some love. Each person's call is different. So you have to prepare for that. And I love when we get into this through verses 11 through 22, God gives encouragement to Moses. So I'm not going to, I encourage you to go back and read through it. But as Moses is, Question, God, what, who am I to go do this? God says, I encourage you here. He says, I'm going to be with you. I gave you the calling to go to Pharaoh. I'm going to be with you. Isn't that encouraging? If God calls to do something, when we go, he's going to be with us. Doesn't matter how hard, how tough, God's going to be with us walking through that moment, through the tough times, through the good times. It's good to know. It's good to know that if he calls us to be missionaries in a country where it's hostile to Christians, God is with us. When we look back at some of the other stories that we, we read through the Old Testament. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They obeyed God. They went to the fiery furnace. Guess what? God was in there with them. Daniel obeyed. Went to the lion's den. Guess what? God was with him. God didn't just hang back and watch. God was with him in their lives. And when we get saved, as we sang a song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. 
God is with us. God is in us. God wants to be through, work through us, out of us. He's not just staying on the outside going, huh, look at that guy, look what he's doing. He's in the battle with us. He's walking through it with us. And he told Moses, I'm going to send you to a place where a guy just tried to kill you earlier on because you made a mistake, but you're not going alone. I am with you. I think Moses like, what do I tell him? What do I tell him you are? I don't, what do I say? Just tell him I am the I am. Right? I am who I am. There's, I'm, there's nothing less, there's nothing greater than me. I am everything. Not only am I going to be with you, but I'm the most powerful thing in the face of the earth. And the Pharaoh cannot stop me, even though he thinks he can. So we got God coming with us, and God is the most powerful thing that could come with us. And he says, I will promise to bring you up from the misery of the Egyptians. He said, not only does he say, I want you to go lead them out. He said, I promise you, you guys are leaving. I promise you it's going to work out. Isn't that great? Like, wouldn't we just love to have that, that certainty in everything we do? Like, not just go do this. But I promise you it's going to work out. All right? The people that play sports. All right? We go into the coach. When the coach comes and said, not only are you going to win, not only do I think you're going to win this game, and I'm going to be there coaching it with you, I promise you we're going to win. Right? That fires the team up. Right? The coach has no control over that. But in this case, when God says, I promise you you're going to win the battle, I promise you you're going to walk out of this situation, he has the power to walk inside the situation. When I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they said, when they told uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he said, we're going, to obey, we're going to obey God no matter what. And even if he chooses not to deliver us, we're still going to follow him. But know this, he has the power to deliver us if he chooses to. Right? God walked into the fire with them. He, he was there with them. And he was greater than the fire. And he walked them out safely. Right? Now, does that always mean we're going to walk safely and we're not going to be injured? No. We look at Stephen, who we started off with, right? He walked through that and he gave his life. But he did walk safely out. Because when he stood there dying for dying for his for the message that he was giving, he walked safely into heaven with Christ. Jesus was with him as he went through. There's a specific motive in, in what God wanted done, and that was God's glory to be shown through that situation. And I love that the ver as he ends there, he said, Not only am I going to bring you out of the misery, you're going to plunder the Egyptians. They're going to give you everything to get you out of there. So he said, I mean, just think, how great is that, right? Not only am I going to get you out, I'm going to give you all their money and their gold and their wealth to take with you. And they're going to give it to you. You don't even have to fight for it. They're just going to hand it over to you and say, here, take my gold. Take my, take my jewels. Take my money. Right? Take our animals. Just go. Get out of here. I mean, those things would be encouraging to somebody who is fixing to go do something that would be considered craziness in their life. 
And I just love how, I love how God, when he gives us a calling, he promised to do something, he's going to take care of us. I've seen it in my life over and over again as God's asked me to do crazy things to see how God took care of us through those moments, through those situations. And I'm sure if we ask, many of you have those same stories when you took the time and you trusted God to do something big in your life, that he did something amazing for you and he protected you through it. And then we look in, starting in chapter 4, and we get signs. So Moses, even with all that encouragement, all that promises, right? Moses still has questions. Moses says in, um, starting in verse 1, it said, verse 4, verse 1, it says, what, what if they don't believe me and will not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you? That's Moses like, well, what if they don't listen? What if I go to them, I do everything you say, and they say, who is this guy? What if they don't believe me? What if they call me a liar? God says, okay. Okay, we can handle that. So he said, Moses, see that staff in your hand? Throw it down. Throws the staff down. And that staff turns into a snake. That's cool, right? <laughs> I don't like snakes, but that's cool. And then he says, pick it up. He picks it up and it becomes a staff again. That would be an awesome sign, right? Okay, they're going to believe me. But... Well, like, well, what if they still don't believe me? So take your hand, put it in your coat, it takes his healthy hand, puts it in his coat, pulls it out, and it's discolored, it's blemished, it's disgusting, right? Like leprosy. And they said, okay, put it back in, it comes back out clean. All right? Another really cool trick, magic trick that that guy can do. I say magic, it's not really magic because it's physical changes, right? And I said, I got some things to give you so you can show them a visible sign just in case they just say, I don't believe you. And God can do that in our lives. God gave us a visible sign as Christians if people say they don't believe us. Right? We have something that nobody else in this world has. And that's our testimony to how God changed our life from our old life to our new life for us to become followers of Christ, right? Nobody else can have that. And they can't, nobody can argue with the fact that God changed your life to become a believer in him. All right? They can argue and say that this isn't true, but they can't argue with, the, with your personal testimony about what God did in your life. Because as a Christian, we have something in our life that God changed. He can't, they can't argue with that. Then Moses goes on a little bit later. See, in verse 10, Moses goes on. But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been, been eloquent, either in the past or recently, since you have been speaking to your servant, because I am slow and hesitant in speech. I was like, God, I, can, I don't speak well. Right? He's making kind of excuse, like, okay, I don't really want to do this, guy. <laughs> right? I'm still worried about that Pharaoh there that's coming to, that wants to kill me. So here we've seen all this encouragement, the promises, right? 
I will be with you. I promise I'll bring you up. I will plunder the Egyptians. And Moses is like, but God, I don't speak well. Excuse. And I love God's response. Who made the human mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Right? Moses is like, I can't speak. God's like, go and you will. I can fix that. I can take care of all speech problems that you have if you trust me. And Moses then replies, Lord, please send someone else. How often do we do that? God gives us a call. He gives us encouragement. He gives us signs that it's true. And then we say, but God, there's one more thing, and please send someone else to do it instead of me. God, I have this I want to do. I have these plans. Please send someone else. I can't do it with whatever reason, X, Y, or Z, right? We're good at coming up with excuses. And we look back and we see Moses and we read all this and we're like, well, how would Moses, how could Moses say no? Right? It was so clear. I mean, the stick turned to a snake. His hand went blemished and then clean. I mean, he's standing in front of a burning bush that's not really burning. And the bush is talking to him. And Moses replies with, please send someone else. I don't want to do this. I can't do this. And, and we as Christians, we do the same thing. And it's really heartbreaking when we really think about our lives when we know there's something clearly God has spoken to us and clearly God has shown us to do. And our response is, I'm too busy. What will people think if I go talk to that person? I don't want to be late for my meeting. I might offend them. Those excuses are no different than what Moses gave here. And for us as Christians, God has done so much in our lives, but yet a lot of times we'll say, Lord, please send someone else to do that. Someone else can do that job. Someone else will take care of it. Someone else will tell them about Jesus. And it's heartbreaking when we think about those times in our lives when we've done that, the regret that comes in our lives. Because you never know, maybe you're that person's last chance. Maybe you're the one God has sent that's going to change their heart. We ignore the truth that God has given us His word because we just want to make stupid excuses for why we can't do something rather than just trusting God. And we go on to verse 14 after Moses said, Lord, please send someone else. And he says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, Isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he is on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. 
You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both of you and him speak, and I will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will be your spokesman. You will serve him. You will serve as a God to him. Take the staff with you in your hand with you that you will perform the signs with. So God's like, fine. Aaron's coming. I'll let him be a part of this. It's not what I want, necessarily. But I'll let Aaron speak for you. I'll let Aaron be the spokesman to the people. So think about that interaction. And then think about the future months as they walk through the exodus and they leave. How many issues having Aaron be the spokesman caused? Right? We think think when Moses goes up onto the the mountain, what's Aaron do? He takes all the earrings of gold, he builds a golden calf for them to worship. Several times he pulls the people away in arguments and fights and bickering. God wanted Moses to be the spokesman, not someone else. Moses was reluctant to be the deliverer that God called him to be. And so as we close, are you reluctant to be the Christian God called you to be? Are you reluctant to be the follower or the deliverer of a message that God called you to give? And that God has to call, bring someone else in to deliver the message you were supposed to do, that maybe that person ends up hurting as much as helping? Do you want to be a Moses that obeys? And God's given you the signs. He's given you the encouragement. He's shown you everything that you need to know right here. To be obedient. To follow him. To follow that plan in your life. So that you can deliver people from their sins. That you can be that message that God works through you into the lives of others. Because that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're not called to be the judge and the jury for people and judge their sins completely. That's not our job. We see oppression. We, we take it to God and let him do what he does. But sometimes God calls and says, I need you to say this. I need you to do this. And what's your answer going to be in that moment? Is it going to be, yes, Lord, I follow you. Yes, Lord, I will do as you ask me to do when I made you the Savior of my life? Or is it going to be busy? Things are tough. I got other things I need to go take care of. I don't speak well. I'm old. can't walk very well. My back hurts. Right? I got kids that I have to go watch. Or is it going to be, yes, I'll follow you. I know you can take care of those, those things I have. You can speak for me. You can speak through me. Let me follow you. Let me trust you. Don't let it be. Send someone else. 
don't let that be the goal in your life to tell God just send someone else to do it I'm busy God doesn't want that I tell you the blessing comes when you obey and you get to see God work through you there is really no better blessing in my life than that to see God work through something that I know he called me to do and not in a prideful way but just look what God did. Look at the amazing glory that he grows up for himself. And then think about the times if I didn't do that, what would have happened? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Father, we thank you for men like Moses that, that can be an example in our lives, Father, both for the the great things he did, Father, and also for some of the some of the ways that we can learn to follow you better through him. Father, open our eyes that we can honor you. Give us courage and strength as we walk each day. Father, take away all excuses from our tongues that we can obey you no matter what. We'll forget about the struggles and the bad things in our lives, Father. We will just obey you. And that we will know that you are there. That you're going to walk through it with us. You're going to take care of all those things that, that could hinder us from serving you. You got those. We just praise you for that. Father, change our hearts, Father. That we can obey you and honor you. In your heavenly and holy name. Amen.